Hey, what's up? It's your boy, Corey Deanna Lewis, founder of The Healthy Project and host of The Healthy Project Podcast. My mission is to bring awareness to health and wellness concerns that are impacting our communities. On this podcast, you'll learn strategies to improve your health from health professionals from around the world that are trying to make an impact in people's lives. Enjoy. Hey everybody, what's up? It's your boy Corey Dion Lewis. I'm excited to announce my new book, Better Self. It's your guide to a better sleep, exercise, love, and food. This book will be coming out in late fall. If you want to be the first to know when it comes out, just go over to www.betterselfbook.com, put in your email address, and I'll let you know when it's available. Again, that is www.betterselfbook.com. Thank you guys so much and enjoy the podcast. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I am your host, Corey Dion Lewis. I have a great guest in the building today. I think you'll be really excited about this. We have Rena Jensen in the building. Rena, thank you so much for being on with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah. So I've known you for a while and I, I, I know what you do, but if give you the chance to tell the people, you know, what is it that you do and, and uh, what, what kind of get, wakes you up in the morning? Sure. I am a mental fitness and resilience coach. So what that means is I help people uh, understand what their subconscious is doing and how to tap directly into it and fix all the things <laughs> in a nutshell. Um, what that means is the mental fitness part is similar to a personal trainer. Personal trainer's job is to be able to help you get ready physically for some kind of endurance, right? As a mental fitness person, my job is to help you um, do the same thing, but on an emotional and mental level. Right. So what, what is, what is resilience when, when, and I feel like this, this term and what you do has probably, you've been on the front lines of this for a while, but it's, it's, there's been a light on it ever since the pandemic started. Right. Right. So, you know, what, what, in your words, what is resilience or being resilient? So uh, let me, let me give you what, um, the generic term or the generic definition is first, and then, um, you'll understand the difference when I put them back to back. So most people will say that resilience is about being able to bounce back after experiencing some kind of adversity or trauma, right? The issue that I have with that is that Bouncing back implies that we are then the same person that we were prior to that experience, adversity, or trauma. And that's not possible because we have experienced new things. We've learned new techniques. Um, We can't, there's no way for us to go back to being the same person. So I, I don't like that definition. So my definition of resilience is the sustained ability to uh, navigate the unknown with focused determination and a positive outlook. Mm, right. Because that, that trauma and those things that we go through, there's no way you can bounce back from that and be the exact same person you were before that happened. It's not possible. It's, it's like 
putting a nail into, we, we, we've seen the memes, we've heard the expression, you can hammer a nail into a piece of wood, but when you take it out, the hole is still there. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, right. And all of those things happen to us emotionally and mentally. And we have to, we have to learn to pivot and zig and zag. And we can't go back to being that same person. We, that, that person literally no longer exists after we experience something. Right. Do you find it hard for people to accept that? Like they people do people when you're working with them, do they want to go back to that person or, and they want to try to find, you know, that, that light that was there? Not necessarily uh, because it makes sense, right? Like there, the pressure to be the same person that they were prior to is gone. Then Mm -hmm. once they realize that, that, that version no longer exists and that our goal going forward is to, just be able to, to maintain and sustain and build the emotional stamina that, that, um, societal or peer pressure, whatever term you want to use for it dissipates. And, um, the relief that, that people then see and feel and experience, uh, is so much more, uh, relieving for them. Oh, that's relief, right? That's what I just said. (laughs) It's, it's a level of relief that, uh, they wouldn't experience otherwise. Right. Um, emotional endurance. You said that. And mm-hmm. I, w- I would love to kind of, you know, dive more into that. What is that? What does that look like? You know, I've, I've heard that before that emotional endurance, but what does that mean? How does someone, um, you know, if, if I'm training for a marathon, I can just get on the treadmill and run or go outside and run and, and build that endurance. Yeah. But how does someone endure, you know, how do they build that emotional endurance? Sure. That's a great question. Um, through consistent and, uh, positive action. And I don't mean positive, like, uh, toxic positivity, like just pretending all things are fine, but actively and consciously trying to seek out the, the good, if you will, or, um, the gifts that, that the experience has given them. We are such emotional beings that, trying to ignore the things that happened is just, it's not healthy for us. So if we can do that with a more positive outlook, then everything in our lives changes. It shifts. We are happier. We have better relationships. Um, and, and a quick definition on relationships, that is every interaction that you have with another person. So this is a relationship that we have right now, right? It could be transactional or it can be intimate or it can be a a workplace situation. It doesn't matter. Every exchange that you have with a human is a relationship of some kind. And so if we're going through life annoyed at the checker because the checker is going too slow or um, annoyed because our coworker is, is constantly clicking her pen, that's us right? That's, that's our decision to be annoyed. And so we're not happy. And then we take that frustration out on the people that are closest to us because they will love us unconditionally and forever and ever. Right. Mm. But then they don't. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then all hell breaks loose. (laughs) Do you feel like, do we do that subconsciously? Like I could be mad at you and then not and not say anything because maybe my, because my relationship with you may be different transactional or whatever. But as soon as I get home, my, my son may 
ask me a question one too many times and I freak out. Yes. And it, and it may not be just our transactional relationship. It could be the, the consistent, you start off with a good day and then something happens. And then consistently throughout the day, things just build and build and build and build. And then you get home and then yes, your son will ask you one too many questions and you fly off the handle. Right. So what you're saying for somebody listening, if, if I'm, I don't wish I had a pin, but if I was clicking my pin yeah. and that was pissing you off, right. <laughs> right? Here, I've got one. Right. <laughs> to take care of that, <laughs> to handle that emotion right then and there. Mm-hmm. Before, and then before it goes any further, am I right? Am I kind of in that same ballpark there? Where we're talking about? Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Like every, we, everything in life, everything in our lives is a decision that we are capable of making. The only thing that we can control is ourselves, our emotions, our behaviors, our actions, um, our thoughts, our emotions, our behaviors, and our thoughts. Those are the only things that we can control in life. But we expect people to act in a way that we want them to act. And then we call those boundaries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not, you're not living up to my expectations mm-hmm. and my boundaries. Therefore, you're the, the jerk, right? Right. But um, we can't control another person. We, you can't even control your kids. You can teach them. You can guide them. But you can't control them. Right. I, as a parent, might. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Right. So a, as, as a coach, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of our philosophy, right? I'm sure you do this with your, with your clients. Like you're not trying to tell them what to do, just right. guiding them through their process. What are some issues or, you know, what are some, um, when it, when it comes to resilience, what are some things that you've noticed the most with the, the people and the clients that you see that are kind of the same with almost everybody, or is there everybody kind of different? Um, so I'm, I'm really in tune with energy. Everything on the planet is energy. Mm-hmm. Everything has an energetic vibration. And so I'm really in tune with that energy. So a person who has low resilience or, um, a, a low mental fitness level, their energy is lower because they're exhausted. It takes a lot of work to be frustrated mm-hmm. all day long. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the, and the words that people choose to use too are, if you're not in tune with that, I, I am, I, uh, listening to people talk is very interesting to me because the words that they choose to use, but the tone of the inflection and the tone and the, the rate with which they speak as well. Um, all of those things are things that I pick up on and my poor friends, <laughs> I don't know if that's entirely true. One of them is here hanging out with me right now. I don't know that she's disappointed in <laughs> in my ability to pick up on those things, but you know, people that don't know me very well, um, I am continuously picking up on those things. And so I'll hear people say something that might indicate to me that they're, they're feeling some kind of way about either something that just happened or something that's ongoing, or they're frustrated because they can't get their business to work the way they want it to work. Right. Um, you know, it, and words absolutely matter. They, they matter a hundred percent of the time, 24 seven. And when we continuously say things like I can't do this, or I don't do that, then that's confirming to our subconscious that, yeah, we can't do that. And we won't do it. Right. It's just chipping away at your confidence. Right. But the, but here's the interesting piece. So our life, everything we do is ruled 95% of the time by our subconscious. And 
we think that we are consciously capable of making those changes instantly. We just, we cannot because the subconscious is like, yeah, but I don't believe that. Right. And then, because, you know, you can see that happening when you're like driving to and from work or driving to and from the grocery store, anytime that you are um, comfortable in the, in the, in the path that you're taking, you might arrive at a place and be like, Oh, I'm here already. How did I get there? Right. It's freaky. Yeah. That's because your subconscious has taken over. Your subconscious knows how to drive the car. That way you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to get in and think, okay, I got to do this step, this step, this step, this step, this step. And then if this happens, then I do this or that. Like that's a lot of work for our brain to, to take on. Yeah. So we don't have to do that because our subconscious is like, Hey, I got this. We're good. Just, just let me take the lead. And it does 95% of the time. Right. So that can be good or bad because your conscious will take, take the lead. If you have negative feelings about something, right? The sub, n- no. So the consciousness doesn't subconscious. take the lead. The subconscious takes the lead about everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's, let's go back to experiencing an adverse experience. Actually, right. um, we have our inner critic is a very common term. We hear people talking about they're sabotaging their self. Um, you can see it in other people that they're, they're sabotaging relationships. They're sabotaging work, work relationships and jobs in general. And we do that because of those coping mechanisms that we've, we've learned in our childhood. And then those stick with us throughout our entire lives. So there are, um, there's a, a program that I'm that I'm getting my certification in called positive intelligence mm-hmm. and positive intelligence talks about how those coping mechanisms translate into saboteurs or the inner critic. And Shirzad Shemaine is the, the creator of this program. And there is the judge. And then there are nine. I refer to them as personalities. He, re- he refers to them as saboteurs. So the way I describe it, super easy for people to, to understand is the judge speaks with the voice of the saboteur, the personality of the saboteur. So those saboteurs are things like an avoider, a controller, um, a hyperachiever, hyperrational, uh, the people that are uh, hypervigilant. So doomsday preppers are hypervigilant mm-hmm. people. All And there's nine of them, but I, I can't remember all of them at the so, moment. So what are most like entrepreneurs are people that you work with? Where are they? <laughs> I, High achievers. <laughs> <laughs> they so what that says is uh, they don't feel worthy or or um, like they're doing anything with their lives if they're not continuously achieving the next goal. Mm. Um, that's a big deal because that says I don't have time to do these things because this makes me worthwhile. And if I'm worthwhile here in my business, then. I'll be good or better for my family. Right. But that, that doesn't work that way. So they're li- all of our saboteurs, all of our, our inner critic personalities are liars. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the judge is the voice through which they speak. Right. So, so let, let's break it down. And I, and I brought this uh, example of when we, when we spoke about, you know, talking today was, mm-hmm. you know, I deal with mostly people with, either trying to manage chronic disease or weight loss. The yep. majority of them I see are chronic disease. I do see a lot of weight loss, but 
specifically with the people that I see that are focused on weight loss and they're older, the biggest issue that I see in them, or they tell me is when they're younger, they've had these experiences around food or these experiences around food that now are, even though they know that they, maybe they shouldn't eat a certain way, or maybe they shouldn't have, um, cakes and things like a, a lot of them because of their diabetes, these, some, these pods, sometimes they're very positive experiences triggers them to do it regardless of even they know that they're, this could be a big issue for their life. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So working with is in a specific patient I'm thinking about who had the experience of having ice cream with her father as a child. Mm-hmm. Right now being type two diabetic and she's, you know, um, upper six, 67, 68, somewhere around there. The thought of giving up ice cream breaks her down. Like right. she can't, she, she can't do it. Mm-hmm. Every, every cakes, pies, candies is no problem for her, mm-hmm. but that ice cream is, in, she just can't get rid of it because of that experience as a child, because that was a good, whenever she did something good, her dad would take her to the local ice cream shop, you know, or, mm-hmm. or the place. Yeah. Someone dealing with those, those issues. And, and that's, that's a big deal. I'm, I'm not trying to act like that's, that's, that's hard. I, I I can, I understand that I can empathize with that. Mm-hmm. Someone dealing with those type of, um, you know, could connect it to something like that. How would you work with them? What was, what is one step for somebody who, um, their positive memories are connected to something that's probably detrimental to their life. You know, how would you, how would you go about that? Yeah. It's not often that positive experiences are detrimental to life now, but in, in this particular case, I can absolutely see how that would work. So for her, um, I'm assuming her dad has probably passed. Yeah. Yeah. And so that this is the only connection that she has with him. And if she gives this up, she feels like this connection is no longer exists or she's not honoring his memory in some way. You'd have to do some more digging in that area. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's assume that that uh, she doesn't want to uh, disconnect from her father. So what I would do is I would ask her a series of questions about uh, what that means. What benefit is there to continuing to eat the ice cream aside from her father? Is there any, there may not be. And if that, if that connection to her dad is the only benefit, then what other connections are there for her to remember and honor her father right. and stay connected to him? That goes, I'm going to tell you right now, that goes way out of my scope of practice, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and it sucks because I really, you know, just being a, being a, uh, in a helping profession, you want to help. Right. You know what I mean? And I feel like asking those questions, even though they sometimes come up within conversation, um, just needs to be spoken to with someone who right. can, can do that. Right? right. So, um, that that's, that's great information for anybody. Um, what got you into this? Like, you know, what, what, what got you into re- resilience? You know what I mean? What, what got you wanting to work with people in, in improving this side of themselves? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, 
I was a New York life agent for a couple of years and I had hired two different business coaches and I learned great tools from each of them, but each of them had a similar process. This is the goal. Mm -hmm. Work backwards on a daily basis and you will achieve this goal in this time frame. Well, that's not going to work for somebody who grew up was essentially told you should be seen and not heard. Mm, Right. Right. So that what they did while having great information didn't get into the root of the issue. And, and as a society, we are so convinced that if we just deal with the symptoms (laughs) and not dig any deeper, then all our problems will be fine. Well, we'll, we'll take care of this symptom. So cold calling was one of the things that I hated to do. Um, if we deal with this, then you can cold call and you can reach these numbers and you can then eventually reach the goal. Great. Still hate cold calling. Still won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you there. <laughs> right. So the other one is talk about your profession. Well, if you're grown up, if you are raised to believe that you don't understand how the world works or you don't know how to make these things happen, then you're not going to talk about your profession because you're always going to feel like an imposter. Mm-hmm. So those were the things. Yeah. Yeah. Big. Right. So those are the two things that I had experienced. I was, I was raised to not to be seen and not heard. And I was told that I didn't understand how the world worked. And in certain cases, that's true. There were certain things that I didn't understand, but that wasn't a universal uh, thing for me. I did understand innately how a lot of things worked. So dealing with all of those things is what I really needed to focus on when I had my coaching, my, when I had hired my coaches, but I didn't know that at the time. So I was, despite my own issues, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was still, despite me sabotaging myself, I was still relatively successful at New York life, but it wasn't, it wasn't who I was. It wasn't something that I was passionate about this I'm passionate about. And having had that experience and understanding how the way we were raised, our coping mechanisms, our inner critics, everything that's happening in our minds is affecting everything that we do in life and business. Uh, That's why I got into it. So I work primarily with women business owners because uh, because we're we're so conditioned to not speak our minds, to not self-promote, to not negotiate, to not do all of the things that most people don't, most men don't have a problem with. Not that men don't experience the same things. They absolutely do. Right. But I can relate to a woman. The majority. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I feel like this is right up your alley. Just, just a little bit. I've known based off of your personality, right? Like this is, this is definitely what you need to be doing. And it's so, it's so fun doing what what you love right i think when you're doing what you love it makes it easier to deal with some of those those uh the imposter syndrome and some of those things no. that are holding you back nope disagree really yes really um it helps to want to investigate how you can become a better person and do those things but if you there's a an amazing quote carl jung said until you make the unconscious conscious it will rule your life and you will call it fate so I could, I could love and be passionate about anything, but if I don't deal with the subconscious piece of me, then I will never reach the, the maximum potential or do the maximum good that I could do. Okay. So 
me, me get readjusted in my chair. Okay. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> this, this is good. So what you, what you're saying is you, you can be doing everything that you love. Yep. But if you don't take care or if you don't iron out some of these issues, you're going to have the same feelings and results. Yes. You will eventually reach success, whatever you define as success. Mm -hmm. And likely your definition of success, my dogs, your likely your definition of, of success will be less than what your potential for success would be because you're still living in this cycle of whatever coping mechanism you, you developed as a child that you put on like a cast and never took off. Right. Right. So what if, the, what if the coping mechanism that you, that you have, like you, you like it, but it's holding you back. <laughs> so then it's a cost benefit thing. Is it, is it really helping you if it's costing you this extra level of success or this extra level of happiness in all areas of your life? I feel like I'm in a session right now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should be taking notes for, for myself. So also, what, if, what if someone doesn't know, like what if someone is, has gone through life and they're trying to make a transition, they're transitioning out of their job or whatever the case may be. Um, pandemic hit job was, you know, fired, laid off and they're trying mm -hmm. to make a transition, but they don't know what those triggers are from the past or that's holding them back. How can somebody figure that out? outside perspective. It's the only way I was able to figure out what was happening with me. And I, um, I thoroughly am a huge advocate for counseling first and foremost. Um, if you're in a position to hire a coach, hire a coach, because the, those two roles are very complementary, but they are not the same. My job is to not, is not to look at the why of what happened. My job as a coach is to help you from this point forward, mm -hmm. focus and give you the tools to help you do the things that you want to do. A counselor or therapist's job is to go through the why, is to right. understand what happened um, in your childhood or, or whatever experiences you may have had at any time and help you understand how it's affecting you, um, not necessarily why it happened because we can't always answer that. Um, but those two things together are very, uh, symbiotic. They're very complementary. They're very, um, if you have the right people, the, the ability to do a complete 180 in your life is just outstanding. Right. That's good. What is it about women that make them such great business coaches and people? The reason why I asked that it's because, and, and I'm not trying to suck up and get brownie points. I really believe this. Right? All of the advice I've got about business life in general have all came from women in my life. Mm -hmm. Right. It was, you know, I don't want to take up too much time. Cause like I said, this isn't about me, but it's about you. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but a lot of, a lot of the great things I've, a lot of the great advice, even the little things, little changes, I've gotten from women entrepreneurs or even women that had no entrepreneurial bone in their body. They just have a perspective and mm -hmm. it was like, well, what about this? And I'm like, yeah, what about that? <laughs> yeah. What, what do you, what do you think that gift is? Um, I, I think there's a couple of different things to that. First of all, 
we trust our intuition typically more often than men. And I'm, I'm going to make some, some very generalized, very blanket statements here. So if anybody, mm-hmm. if anybody listening doesn't agree with them, just please know that they're, they're very generalized. They can chill out, but yeah. yeah. So we women have a tendency to um, trust our intuition. We know when things are off because historically, generationally, we have been taught that men have not been taught that historically, generationally, societally, men are taught to keep their emotions down, to not deal with those things and to look at everything with logic and reason historically, because that's so ingrained in our DNA. It's difficult for men to, to see something that's super easy for a woman to see because our perspective is different. Mm -hmm. Our experiences are different and we approach things with more of a uh, self-love and um, I can't think of the right word, but in com- all encompassing, like we are all about bringing the world together. And so we look at things from a drastically different perspective than most men do. Yeah, I can see that. I could, I can see that. It's just, so as a, as a person, so re, I asked that for a reason. So bringing that all together, someone who is, um, take someone like myself, let's hypothetically, just to say, okay. <laughs> <laughs> hypothetically, there's, you know, a six, two black guy you're talking to. Okay. Hypothetically. <laughs> hypothetically. <right? laughs> and they're trying to, you know, they understand that there's a side that they're missing and they're trying to figure it out and, Maybe they either trying to do some more self-evaluation. What's, what's the first, what's a good first step for someone to, to start to move into that direction of what's, what am I doing? You know, what's, what's my next step? Where do I, what is it in me that I need to change? You know, what's that first step that someone should take? So personally, professionally, all of the above, just in general, all of the above. Okay. Um, why is a good question, but but there's a caveat to that. So if you recognize that you're having a conversation with somebody and you feel some kind of way, that's mostly negative. Mm -hmm. Why am I feeling that way? Um, here's the caveat. The brain has to be able to answer a question. If it can't answer the question, then we need to reframe the question. So if we ask why, and this is, this happens a lot with closure and I'm, I'm, I'm getting off subject a little bit, but when someone says, I need closure, I, I just need to understand why, well, the brain can't answer that. You'll never get an answer. That's, that's a hundred percent satisfactory to your brain. And so we have to switch that question. So that's the caveat. But in this circumstance, like if you are feeling some kind of way about an interaction with somebody and you ask yourself why then that might lead to, they wear the same kind of cologne as the bully in high school, mm. right? Or um, they, they like the same colors or their, their, their hair is similar to um, those things will help you understand what those subconscious thoughts and feelings are that you're experiencing in those situations. There's a, a great book out. It's brand new. Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Perry. Have you heard of what happened to I've, you? I've heard of it. I haven't read it, but I've heard of okay. it. Okay. So 
I strongly suggest <laughs> that everybody read that book. And there's another book that I strongly suggest everybody read. It's called Invisible Women. I'll send you both of those. Um, what happened to you is talks about the subconscious reactions that we have. And Dr. Perry refers to a, a child who was beaten by a foster parent who in his early years, like one to three years old was prostituted by his father. Mm. It's a huge thing, right? He doesn't have conscious memories of that happening, but he, his body remembers that happening and his subconscious is like, mm, I'm not so big on this, like right. same clone. I'm not okay with it. So he is this kid and I can't remember his name um, is then beaten by his foster parent and is put into a coma. And so Dr. Perry takes a shirt from his foster parent, his foster father, and holds it up underneath his nose. And his blood pressure, his blood rate increases so high that it's like 170 over something. Jeez. And um, he starts thrashing around trying to protect himself because he consciously remembers what happens there. Right. And, but subconsciously, because he's not awake, so subconsciously, those, those cues, those triggers are going into his brain, into the limbic system, which is an instant reaction. And then once it, it goes up through the brain, then it will, then we have the ability to, to make a conscious decision about how to react. So because he's in a, in a coma, he can't make that decision. And so his body just reacts. So he's thrashing around having a huge heart rate increase and then calms down. They take away the stimulant and then they put in um, a shirt from his biological father under his nose and his heart rate increases a little bit. And then it drops significantly, which indicates a dissociative, uh, and a dissociative experience. So he does, he, he, as a baby had to disassociate himself from the events that was happening to him. His father's cologne is that trigger. So his, his brain catches those things, remembers that's the scent and is like, nope, we're not doing this and shuts down. Mm. And so that's, that's exactly what we're doing all the time. It's, that's what our, our subconscious does for us. It helps us to shut down or it helps us to fight or flight. It puts us in these situations. So as you are trying to navigate this world, asking yourself, why don't I like this person? And trying to, to sense what's happening in your body, because your body will react first before your brain catches up and then digging further into that. And there may be some things that, that happened in your past that you don't remember. You're like, I just don't like that smell. I don't know why I don't like that smell, mm -hmm. but I don't like that smell. And your brain is not going to throw you into the deep end and be like, okay, here's what happened with that smell. And then all of this flood of memories comes back and then you're traumatized all over again. Your brain is so well equipped that it will continue to protect you until you are ready to deal with whatever is that happened. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a lot. Just, just even thinking about, so not even smells, just like, things you, you taste that reminds you of, you know, your, your grandparents, you know, yep. home cooked meals or things like that. And every sense, every, every sense, our touch, mm -hmm. our taste, our scent, uh, smell, our sight and our sounds, 
every single one of them. That's why your client with ice cream has such a hard time not having ice cream because it's taking her back immediately to Mm -hmm. very happy times. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Man. So working on resilience, you know, I feel like, like I said earlier, it's really been kind of in my mind or in my eyes in the forefront since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, have you noticed any changes changes in people since the pandemic has kind of slowed slowed down in a sense for in a lot of people's minds? Um, what kind of things have you noticed around that? I've noticed that people are more willing to talk about their experiences that have shaped who they are. And I think that is beautiful and very much necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, being in quarantine, there are lots of things that happen when we can't go out and mask what we're feeling with other people. Right. And so being in quarantine, those that lived alone during that, um, didn't have anybody or didn't have a way to pretend like nothing was wrong. And those living in family with families, um, they were at each other's throats more often because their resilience was not high. And so I I believe, and I don't have anything to back this up, but I've heard that divorce rates have increased even further. I heard that too. I forgot where I heard that, but I did hear that too. Yeah. And also um, there is, there was something that I was reading someplace else that mentioned that domestic violence had also increased during this time. And all of those things happen because all of our subconscious experiences, all of our forgotten memories um, were, were being triggered continuously with no outlet. So after the, the quarantine lifted and, and the pandemic seems to be, uh, gone, um, I adore the fact that people are more willing to talk about their experiences. I also think that it is incredibly necessary to, to dig it deep into a foundation and core of a business because, mm-hmm. um, all are, if you're working for a corporation, all of the employees are experiencing, have subconscious thoughts and feelings as well. And we talk about triggers and people really like to use the term snowflake. Oh, you're triggered by that. Like it's a bad thing, mm-hmm. but that just means that we need to explore what that is and, and coupling it with understanding that no one else is responsible for how we feel. And we are not responsible for how other people feel. It doesn't mean you can go out and be a jackass and be like, well, you know, I'm not responsible for how you feel. Right. Right. But understanding that, that we are, we can only control ourselves and putting that into a business at the foundation is going to be, um, it, it's the way that the world needs to work. In my opinion. I agree. You said, but foundationally, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's the key word there. Because as as you, I'm sure you're well aware with everything that happened, and I'm not even just talking about the, you know, COVID-19, I'm talking about, you know, that, and then, you know, so, you know, social injustice things that happened all within the past year, yep. and all of these companies are now having these diversity and inclusion trainings, mm-hmm. right? And I I, I feel like, you could have the training now, but where was it at the beginning? Is this going to be something that you're going to implement foundationally within your company? Because 
Right. Cause you're kind of behind the, in my opinion, you're kind of behind the eight ball. Now, some, now some bad happens. Now you want to say, let's, let's talk about diversity. You know, let's, right. let's not make our, our black employees feel bad or, you know, our, you know, if you're in a, you know, a company that's majority, you know, male, let's, let's, let's bring our, let's bring the women in here. And so we can say that we care, you, right. you know what I mean? Right. You have to actually care. You got to actually care. Mm-hmm. So being a resiliency coach and someone that co- is, you know, really, you know, on the front lines of helping people improve their business. Mm-hmm. Um, how does a company that's a lot older, that d- doesn't have that foundation of diversity and inclusion, Mm-hmm. How do they, how do they start to build that within their foundation of, of their company if they didn't start that way? Um, that's a great question. And partly the reason why I don't work with companies that have that are well-established um, because they're, they're fairly set in their ways. And unless, unless someone comes to me, unless a CEO or um, someone in the C-suite comes to me and says, I am genuinely interested in making a positive impact in my company, then uh, I don't have a desire to work with a corporation that is just full of smoke. Mm -hmm. It's part of the reason why I work with women entrepreneurs because women um, it's there in this book, invisible women that I just mentioned a little bit ago. um, She talks about how women are so socially conscious that they, it's easier for us to put these kinds of things in the foundation of our company and experiencing it firsthand and then building their business around that, understanding what their core values are and living them in their personal lives as well. Um, it, it's, it's, they're ready, right? They're, I don't have to convince them that this is a good idea. And I don't have to explain that, that these past experiences are, are, um, affecting them in their business with, with a C-suite full of old white dudes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not interested. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. It's just, I, on, on one part, on one hand, like I, I, I say, okay, great. You're doing it. You know what I mean? Like at least you're doing something. And on the other hand, it's like, okay, I'm just, you know, what's, what's the over under on how long this is going to last kind kind of a thing. Right. You know, so there has to be some significant buy-in from that C-suite and, and then they, they also, it's, it it cannot be a directive. Mm -hmm. They cannot say to their employees, this is what we're doing. Deal with it because we're, we're autonomous. We need to be able as humans, we need to be able to feel as though we have some control in our lives in all situations. So if a boss is saying to us, okay, this is how we're going to do this. And, you know, just accept it. Um, there's going to be struggle and that's putting it nicely. (laughs) So including the people that these programs will affect the most and asking for their input and saying, hey, this is our plan. We know that this is going to affect you on a more regular basis than it will us. How can we, how can we make this better? We need your ideas. And then listening to them. That's also important, right? Actually doing what, what those people say, because we need to be able to feel as though we have a choice in, in this, in, in all situations. Right. 
so for someone wanting to build a resilient company, mm-hmm. a diverse company in, in an inclusive company, mm-hmm. they have to listen to the people that are doing the work that are there that are just not on the top floor in yes. their air conditioned office. Yes. They have to. There's just Makes cannot, sense. No <laughs> End of story. <laughs> End of story. End of story. Mm-hmm. Rena, thank you so much for being all with me today. I, I learned a lot. I try, I so hard try not to make this a coaching session because I have so many, so many good, good questions that I need answered. It's not mm-hmm. about me. I had to say that. So it's not about me today, Corey. It's about, <laughs> but for it can those- absolutely be about you, Corey. We can do that. Let's 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 do a part four. Like we'll do part one, part two, part three. All we can do as many parts as you want. Yes. By by part four, I'm just sitting here crying about you know Johnny Junior who took my cookies in seventh grade and I haven't got over it. There whatever right. the case may be, mm-hmm. and I can move on from that. But. Right. Anybody listening that wants to learn more about you, about your services and get to know you more, where can they find you? They can find me at renajensen.com. But that website is a little outdated, but it's still active. So you can get the gist like when I first started. Uh, renajensen.com. They can find me on Facebook, Rena Jensen, LinkedIn, Rena Jensen. I make it easy, Rena Jensen. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. Yep. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for being on today. I really, really appreciated it. Uh, And everyone, thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I'll holler at you next time.